The Colorado Inn and KFKA present Rams Weekly. Brought to you by Marinda Simpson State Farm Insurance. Here's Brady Hull and Kevin Lido. Welcome into Rams Weekly. I am Brady Hull, alongside the one and only Kevin Lido from the Colorado Inn. We're going to get into plenty of Rams talk. Um, Colorado State hoops, certainly big topic of discussion. What a week it has been, though, Kevin. Um, do you ever remember so many legends of the game of football calling it quits in in about a 24-hour news cycle? Yeah, really wild 24-hour period. Pete Carroll, Nick Saban was obviously the bombshell. Belichick, I think we all saw that coming. Yeah, but yeah. but still, all those in 24 hours or you know, roughly that. It's pretty wild. And, you know, obviously Saban won most specifically changes the landscape of the sport. You know, Belichick... You know, the Patriots have been down, and like I say, uh, I think everyone saw that one coming. It kind of been written. Carroll was very surprising. That's weird, and especially it appears a firing, but uh, we'll do it in a very nice PR way so you can say you're staying as an analyst. Um, it was like an Elway thing. Yeah, we're yeah. going to demote you, but yeah. you're getting a raise yeah. also. Yeah, but yeah, Saban, I mean, that's... Uh, that changes the landscape in a lot of ways because, Boy, it does. yes, that program has everything you would want as a coach, but also has the most gargantuan and now absurd expectations you can ever have. So, yeah, in a way, it's a dream job. But in a lot of ways, it's a nightmare job. Well, Kevin, I, we were doing the flight watch stuff, and you know, Kirby Smart <laughs> probably there doing interviews. We know the, the the players. We know like the Kiffins. Like those guys are going to be there. Um, what do you think about this? Like when I think of like a Kirby Smart, I wouldn't leave my job right now because I think the pressure is going to be so ridiculous yeah. at Alabama. I can't imagine how Kirby like Kirby Smart being in play for this at all because he's built Georgia into arguably better than Alabama now. So you have that going, that's kind of your thing. So even if you go to Alabama and succeed, it's still like you followed Saban, you carried what Saban was doing on, whereas if you keep doing that, Georgia, it's you know kind of like you built this thing. So I can't see him in play. Lanning was you know a hot name. He's um, pretty much said he's out. You yeah. know, one of those fancy <laughs> kind of goes back to you know what we've seen with you know players. Announce that you're staying yeah. is the the name of the game right now. And Lanning kind of announced he's staying. I just saw a thing that looks like Mike Norvell at Florida State seems to be suggesting he's staying. So, I don't know. It's going to be interesting because, like I say, a lot of ways a dream job, but it's kind of a nightmare job because you better win, win fast because the expectations are going to be insane. Right. I mean, I know next year the playoffs are a different landscape, but still, if you miss the playoffs year one, well, yeah. then you better make it the year after that or that's it. Yeah, I mean, the expectation there is championship. Right. It's Like, even, let's say Alabama next year makes as eight seed, we'll call it, in the playoff and loses, let's say, in the semifinal. Failure. You failed. Bad season. It's crazy, isn't yeah. it? Well, it kind of reminds me. Um, I was talking about this earlier today, Kevin. Um, the one thing I did take from the the Urban Meyer Netflix documentary, it was terrible. <laughs> but I you mean, just, the one with Steve Adazio making really great oh, co- pregame speeches, where he very positive you know, guy, definitely uplifting. He definitely didn't have to start the clap on his own to get people <laughs> going. But what what I what I took from that was you forget how much pressure there really is. He goes to Florida. I think they lose two games his first year, and the mm-hmm. pressure they were like, "Is Urban Meyer the guy for the job?" He doesn't seem to have it. Yep. That's how ridiculous it is when you when you're talking about those. 
big time schools, the Floridas and the Alabamas. Yeah, exactly. And you know, because of what Saban's built, and like I say, they have all the resources in the world. Alabama just prints money. And now, you know, the fans there obviously unrealistic expectations anyway. But now in the NIL transfer portal era, they're saying, you know, we're giving all the money to get the good players. Like, why are we not good enough? And like I say, good enough basically is like a championship. Yeah, no, it's 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 a it's a wild time in in college football. It has been for the last few years, and obviously this is this is something else that's just adding to it. Um, it's it's got to be with Nick Saban again. He's older. So you knew he was going to retire at some point. But do you think the NIL and the transfer portal stuff have just kind of expedited that plan for him? Yeah, obviously. You know, I'm not there. I'm not on the ground. You know, I don't know Nick Saban, but it seems highly likely. You know, he's. I wouldn't say he's come out as anti-NIL or anything like that, but I think more just the calendar that you have to keep, which we've talked about, of it's nonstop. You know, if, if your quarterback calls you at 1 a.m. on Christmas Eve saying, you know, I just got an offer, I might go, you got to take it. Um, you know, that, that's what college football coaching is in a lot of ways right now. So I could totally see how that, you know, 365-day-a-year calendar at his age and with what he's accomplished being like, you know what? <laughs> Don't think I really want to do this. Well, they make so much money. You've won all the championships. He's arguably the greatest I think coach. him and Miss Terry can retire comfortably. I think they'll be okay. Yeah. You know, I'm not too worried about it. I'm sure yeah. they got a, a Roth IRA set Jay, up. You know, Jay Norvell has talked about how this is unsustainable. Yeah. Um, not, not meaning him specifically, but just overall. And so, yeah, if you're an older coach who kind of feels that you've accomplished everything you wanted to, it's not hard to see how you'd say, you know what? Why do that? You know, yeah, I could do. I'm sure Nick Saban could do one more year and be plenty successful. But yeah, it seems like he probably got to a point. I mean, I saw reports that he was in meetings like this week, like conference meetings about schedule stuff, blah, blah, blah. It, like all appearances were that, you know, it was moving onward. And yeah, maybe there was just that point that it's like looking at the calendar and it's like, you know what? Mm-hmm. I think maybe I've had enough. Because, yeah. Because, you know, they just lost in the playoff and then you have to kick right into. Uh, heavy recruiting time, and as far as transfer portal and whatnot, so I don't know. How I could they see do how it. coach would be like, you know what, the, too much. Yeah, I, I mean, again, most of these guys, uh, at least the respectable school schools, and even G five schools, you're paid pretty good. I get it, but man, that's a grind. That yeah. is just a grind. Yeah, you sign up for it. You know what it is. Yes, it's a boatloads of money, especially Nick Saban, very big boatloads. But that doesn't replace time. Um, you know, time is money, they say, but blah, 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 blah. If you have no time, uh, you know, to have a real life, you can see how that can wear on people. I, I Yeah, I can't imagine. I um, mean, I, I had a coach uh, messaging me not long ago on the road recruiting, basically said, yeah, you've got to be obsessed with it to be doing this uh, because the calendar is so wild. No, I mean, that's that's it. you got to absolutely love, obviously, the other parts of it, too, but you have to be kind of getting into that other part of the game now the re-recruiting the yeah. you know, knowing about the nil stuff the transfer portal paying so much attention to it i thought primetime's tweet was interesting it was kind of like the way college football is is dr- drove the goat out of the game and primetime's utilizing that very thing which i don't fault him for it's the nature of the beast now um you got to do it but i just it's it's interesting how probably coaches and, and ADs really don't like it, even if it benefits them, because it's way too much stress, but they're going to have to figure out how to use it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, anyone in college athletics, if you're anti-NIL and transfer and all this, uh, 
you're going to be passed by either you'll be unsuccessful or you'll you'll have to leave you know the the programs because you know that's what it is yes there's going to be changes and and stuff coming but it's not going away and and yeah the the prime thing is interesting because he couldn't have been a college football coach five you know ten years ago uh by now obviously it's you know he appears to be flourishing or with the potential to flourish uh because of how he uses the system which yeah it's it's different not you know not saying that in a good or bad way but it's just changed so dramatically that it's altered <laughs> kind of the the path to success yeah it, it it has and it's just again it's a fascinating case study when you look at how this is how this is going where it started where it's going to continue to go um we, i want to talk to you too about this uh our friends ram nation have they obviously they have joe parker on athletic director for csu they have him on every month and the last time he was on they were talking about the nil stuff yep. they were talking about um uh your colleague of course miles bloomhart at, at the colorado was on our morning uh, the morning show one of the times this week and he was discussing how he didn't really love a lot of what Joe Parker had to say about he, Parker maybe thought the, the media began all this by fanning this out, that kids do need to make money off their likeness and all this stuff. And now the media is kind of going in the reverse, like, wow, it's out of hand. Uh, that was an, I don't disagree with the take because I think that you can live in both of those worlds. I think you can be a media member that thinks it's unfair that Billy can't make a dime off of his autograph, but also we can look at it and go, Okay, now this is like under the table stuff, though. This is what we were wanting to avoid with all of this. Yeah, totally. I mean, blaming the media, quote, you know, the media as if you know we're all in a room discussing these things, <laughs> um, you know, is disingenuous because one, the media couldn't put this in place. You know, no matter what the you know commentary was, it's a court. You know, it went yeah, it, it went beyond le- all it's of legalities us. that that put an eye on place, and you know. The lack of guardrails again is not the media's fault. The powers that be in the NCA and and you know everywhere could have made guardrails uh, for all this, but they didn't. They instead tried to fight, instead tried to go to court, lost. So yeah, I mean it's you know Joe Parker. You know it's not the first time he's kind of blamed the media for nil, which like I say is uh, you know yes the media if you want to you know use it as an envelope has pointed out. You know, this is billions of dollars industry. Athletes probably should get a chunk of that. Um, I, public opinion seems pretty severely in favor of that. So, you know, it's not the media's fault that there's no guardrails. Well, and I just think it's interesting, too, because we talk about Jeremy Bloom, and yeah, the media covered that, but that was a story that yeah. was going to get out. He, his, his case uh, with the being an Olympic athlete was was absolutely ridiculous, and I think that that's when people really started paying attention to. Yeah, this. that was one of the first really big ones of like, what is the deal? Um, he can't make endorsement deals when you're an Olympic athlete. How many years can you actually, if you are good enough, do you actually get to be an Olympic athlete? Yeah, exactly, and, and it's wild. And yeah, again, I I think a lot of people aren't a fan of what NIL has become right now because it's not what was intended. But again. There were powers in place that could have tried to create guardrails, and they didn't, and so it's run amok. But the vast majority of people look at the billions of dollars in the industry, how much coaches make, how much administrators make, and say, well, I mean, none of that exists without the players, so why don't they get a little chunk of that change? And again, there are polls all over the place that the vast majority of public feel that the athletes should get a chunk of that change. 
The problem now is just that no one put guardrails in. Right. I agree with you 100%. Uh, all right. Colorado State men's hoops. Uh, one and two to start Mountain West Conference play. And just like that, the fan base is freaked out of their minds. We'll talk about this Rams basketball team, whether there is a real need to worry or not. We'll be right back. It's Rams Weekly. All right, welcome back into Rams Weekly, presented by State Farm Insurance with Marinda Simpson. Appreciate her being uh, one of our, our our big sponsor here of the program. Uh, diehard Rams fan, a Ram uh, CSU alum, all of that. So she's all about the most Rams coverage you can possibly get, and we're doing our best here at KFK. We know who does it the best, and that's Kevin Lytle at the Coloradoan. Um, Kevin, you're seeing it too. I mean, you're seeing it way more than I am. Rams fans, for the most part, are very scared, very nervous right now as Colorado State dropped two in a row on the road, dropped to Utah State 77-72, and 65-58 to in Boise. The Broncos streak continues. I think yeah, it's now long, 22. Longest in the nation at 22 uh, home wins in a row. So initial thoughts when you see these last two games. Is this just what to expect in this conference? Yeah, so I've, you know, the way social media is, and again, the way expectations rise when you have the success CSU has had, also leads to big reactions after defeats, especially back-to-back defeats. Um, so, you know, I, I've kind of shared on social media some kind of quick thoughts of this. And broadly, I would say, yes, CSU did not play well enough in those two games. They were two missed opportunities, but also not catastrophic. I think CSU needs to get the offense clicking again. And broadly, I would say that comes with kind of just more aggression, you know, concerted aggression that CSU has been so good at. Um, I think you have a few guys a little short on confidence, which you need to get back. But that's also kind of what happens in rogue games. It's like it's almost like the Space Jam thing of like some of your powers get sucked away, <laughs> especially you know when yeah, you're a place like good. Logan where their crowd is so good. You know, some people like you know use the Hoosiers line of like, well, the basket's the same. The game is not the same in those atmospheres. Like, I'll just tell you, you know, the whistle is different. Uh, your energy is different. It does affect you. And I also want to point out, now, this doesn't excuse CSU losses, doesn't make them missed opportunities. But in the last 48 hours, number three, Kansas, lost on the road at unranked UCF. Number five, Tennessee, lost on the road at unranked Mississippi State. Uh, number 21, Clemson, lost on the road at unranked Virginia Tech. Uh, let's see, number nine, Oklahoma, lost on the road at unranked TCU. Number two, Houston, lost on the road at number, uh, or excuse me, at unranked Iowa State. Number one, Purdue, lost on the road at unranked Nebraska. The point being, teams are not winning on the road across the country. Yeah. Uh, you look at Mountain West, there has not been a significant road win yet. Yeah, if you, you know, uh, San Diego State won at San Jose State, but they're supposed to. That's an ex- expectation. You know, Utah State won at Air Force. That's an expectation. New Mexico lost to UNLV on the road, which I th- would say is kind of a similar to CSU losing at Boise, you know, a team that probably isn't quite in the mix for the Mountain West title. Winning on the road has always been hard. Um, Kevin Sweeney of Sports Illustrated had some numbers that it's it's at even higher rate this year of home teams winning. It's just really, really hard to win on the road right now. I think a lot of it is because there's a lot of talent dispersed through the country. There's probably not 
dom you know a dominant clear cut front runner or front runners. You have a lot of really really good teams, but with flaws. And I would put CSU in that group along with the rest of the Mountain West. Uh, we'll see how this week can go. San Diego State goes to the pit. New Mexico's probably the favorite there, even though I think San Diego State's the better team. But winning on the road is really hard, so that doesn't excuse anything for CSU or make it not relevant. But CSU is basically playing par golf right now. They haven't gone under par with a big win, but they also haven't lost anything that you know they shouldn't lose, if you will. So, uh, yes, CSU needs to steal some road wins, and the I guess path to that has narrowed a little bit. But CSU is also not really behind the eight ball yet. So, yes, it's a bummer of a start. But also part of it is just how the schedule falls. You know, New Mexico's next three home games are San Diego State, Nevada, and Boise State. So, like, every team is going to go through these little three- to five-game stretches of just brutal scheduling. CSU's just happen to be at the start of Mountain West play. Yeah, and and I think, uh, you know, you and I talked about this the other day, Kevin. Um, it, it feels almost like the old adage around the NBA playoffs, it, the series, the the, seven, the best of seven series doesn't start until somebody wins on the road. Yep. It almost feels like you don't want to panic unless CSU starts dropping games at inside Moby Arena because now totally. you have to control that environment. Yeah. And I, I wouldn't say now you have to. That's been the, the formula since you know the Star Mountain West play. You know, I've I've been saying since before a conference started that fourteen and four is is your goal. If you get to fourteen and four, at worst, I think you're tied for first. You may win it outright. I wouldn't be shocked if thirteen and five is the winner because the league is so good. So that's your goal. So what does that mean? Of your nine home games, you have to win eight or nine, and then of your road games, you have to win depending on how many you want home around five. Uh, so again, that means CSU's road path has narrowed a little bit, but it's not gone. And the home path is still the exact same, you know. So in a lot of ways, this Air Force UNLV homestand next week hasn't really changed in significance. You know, you know, kind of fan narrative it has because certainly if you lose one of those after losing on the road, it feels really bad. But the path was always going to be you have to win those games. And it's funny, narratives are going to change so quick in the Mountain West right now. Right now, you know, CSU is the one that's like, oh, you know, are they maybe not what we thought? Mm-hmm. But a week from now, I guarantee there will be a team that will have taken a loss or two that's like, well, well, you know, maybe they're struggling. And if CSU does take care of those two at home, then all of a sudden fans are going to be back on the other side saying, oh, we've won two in a row. We got our mojo back. We're going to go to, you know, if we go Reno and beat Nevada, we're back in control. Yeah, you know, that's how quickly it can change. Yeah, and, and, and like you said, those two ga- these two games coming up against Air Force and UNLV were extremely important beforehand. Yeah, you're expected to. The win The formula those was anyway. to win them. You know, if you had won those two on the road, the formula would be to win these two at home. If you lost them both on the road, the formula is to win these two at home. So you kind of still do. You still feel like the winner of this uh, of the regular season champ in the Mountain West um, is still going to lose about five games. Yeah, I think four to five. Like yeah. I, said, I cannot see a fifteen and three or better. It. I just. Because, again, we know CSU, Nevada, San Diego State, New Mexico are all really, really good. Boise State is quite good. UNLV is occasionally quite good. So, And San Jose State is looking tough. I mean, they, uh, they, they almost Boise beat Boise ropes, State. Yeah. They, almost, they almost took San Diego State to overtime. So they're just losses out there. Like, they're just too many tough games, again, like I said, especially on the road. So, yeah, I cannot see... A sixteen and two, or even fifteen and three. Well, even the trip to Wyoming is going to be interesting. Yeah, they're I playing mean, pretty. They had bad. again. I know it's a forty minute game. They had great twenty minutes against Utah State, and that's on the road. So if you do that home, yeah, I, 
you know, what easy games are there? Air Force should be that, but even them, they lost by ten at Reno or yeah. eleven, something like that. That's not exactly a blowout. So they're just no easy nights. I agree. I mean, when when you look at the the bottom of the barrel of this of this conference, it it feels like you well. Know, on any given night, one of those teams could pull off a crazy upset, yep. which I guess speaks to the strength of the conference. But there, it's- there's going to be one or two. You know, I said, I think I said last week that I thought Boise State wasn't good enough to win the league, but they're good enough to have a say in who does by who they beat. Obviously, unfortunately for CSU, they they started proving me right on that one. By it looked San Jose State, I think is going to beat someone now. Like the way they've looked early, Tim Miles, we know is a good coach. They're going to beat someone near the top. Uh, UNLV is going to be at least one, if not two, of these top teams at home because when they have their swagger on, they're dangerous. So yeah, they're you know I wouldn't be stunned if Wyoming does the same to someone as well. So uh, that's you know kind of your bottom half having a big impact. Yeah, and when you when you look at it, when you when you hear the panic um, amongst Rams fans, is it? Is it panic that they're not going to make the tournament, or is it panic well, that they're not going to win the regular yeah, season there, title? Yeah, there's some of both. I mean, I have had some of that of, oh, this team's not going to make the tournament. To be really frank, I think all CSU needs to do in Mountain West play is 10 wins, like 10 and 8, which would be a hugely disappointing conference. I think CSU would still probably comfortably be in at 10 and 8 in conference play. You know, they'd probably be like a 12 seed maybe of a play-in game. That's not where you want to be, but they'd probably be there. So... For the most part, no. I think people understand that they have quite a good resume. But, yeah, I think the biggest one has been, you know, we thought we had a great team. We've never won a a regular season title. This could, should be our year. Again, it's not out. But, yeah, the path to that has narrowed because NCAA-wise, the metrics are still fine. I mean, CSU has gone up in Ken Palm since Mountain West play started. Well, we'll continue talking some basketball on the other side of this break. If only they could get the seven-footer, Kevin. The (laughs) seven-footer, man. We all know how important that is. It's uh, Rams Weekly on Northern Colorado's Voice, 103.1 at 1310 KFKA. Couple more segments to go here on Rams Weekly, presented by State Farm Insurance with Marinda Simpson. Uh, kind of rehashing a rough couple of games for the Colorado State Rams. Last game out saw them uh, in Boise State, losing sixty-five to fifty-eight. But you know the Broncos—that was they were on a twenty-game, twenty-one game uh, home winning streak. Now it's twenty-two. That place is nuts to play. Now I know you didn't make it to Utah State, but did you? You were at the. Uh, I, I wasn't in Boise either. In but Boise, I've but... been to both those arenas. Utah State is better. Like I'm not trying to drag Boise. They get a good crowd. I'd say it kind of goes in lulls, and they don't have a huge student section. Utah State's nuts. Um, I don't think they maybe get the pub that they deserve, like Viejas does and the Pit does, which they rightfully do as well. Uh, but Utah State is nutty. Like, that is a loud, and it's really tight. The court is right there. The students, you're intimate. What is the, what do you think, just from from your perspective, is the most difficult place to play for, for any team in the Mountain West? I want to lean toward a, the pit with a good New Mexico. Yeah. Viejas obviously has a say in that. Um, 
I'll see how that is in February where I'm out there. You know, I've been there, but it was in kind of COVID time, so there were some some restrictions. Um, but I, th- I don't know. The pit has had different feel, that especially a good pit team. It's a different wave of energy when they get going. It's pretty overwhelming. But pit, Spectrum, Viejas, Moby, when it's cooking, those are all top, top tier arenas. Like, yeah, I was going to ask West, you. The Mountain West is awesome. I was going to ask you where Moby stacked up. I'd say it's right, like, the 1B category. What is what is it about Moby then? Because like when you some of these places you talk about the pit for example, well the pit, it's kind of yeah. self-explanatory yeah. how how yeah. it sits or how it's constructed. Yep. So it has something that's really unique to it. I always think those are the best stadiums when you have something yep. that's just kind of yours. What is it about Moby? So Moby has a bit of that of, you know, the cascade down effect and it's uh like I say about it's tight. Uh, there's not a ton of space between stands and the floor, and the stands themselves are tight, so everyone is packed in. And then one of the unique things, most stadiums, stu- there's a student section. They're behind one basket or on one end uh, or whatever. At Moby, the students are buying both baskets, so no matter which way either team is going, you know. so if it's CSU, if you make a bucket, it's right in front of the students going crazy. And if you're the opposing team, no matter which way you're going, you're going into a bunch of screaming fan you know students you know trying to rip your head off mm-hmm. so i think that's one of the that's probably moby's unique aspect of you know the students almost surround you since they're behind both baskets is it also the speaker that says call unique not sure that's the calling card but you know the students and CSU you know every school has different student allotments and that's why i said Boise's isn't very big you know the it's a big arena and when it's full, it can get loud, but they don't have a huge student allotment. CSU's is a lot bigger, um, and like I say it feels it can feel kind of overwhelming because it's right behind both baskets. Yeah, it is a fun place though to go watch a game. But you are you're packed in. You know, it's I sat tight. with our friend Steve Ivy a few it's times, tight. and he and I get to know each other pretty I would well. Imagine you know, like Big Fell, you know, ex <laughs> basketball players in the stands. Oh, it's probably tight. You probably you probably couldn't little, even fit those seven footers in when they. I was come gonna to say, visit. can Nico Carvacha like just you know in a sold out game can he can he snug into one of those seats you probably you better get just, him like front row so he can stretch those limbs he's got to lay his legs over yeah. the next aisle i would imagine um obviously kevin when you get to a two-game losing streak i mean the rams are 13 and three they're one and two in conference play but when you look at the pressure that's on because of your non-conference schedule because you raise those own, your own expectations mm-hmm. because of isaiah stevens his greatness and nico medved always being rumored the last few years to go get a big job they do raise those expectations on themselves. So even three losses at this stage feels like doom and gloom. But isn't that kind of kind of a great thing for CSU? You're thirteen and three, and we're worried. That's how uh, yeah. you've you've raised this the the bar. That's the funny thing that comes with expectations. It also leads to more of reactions because. You have such high expectations. So, yeah, broadly, yeah, that's great. Now, you know, at the moment for CSU on this two-game streak, if you will, I'm sure it doesn't feel as great for them. But, yeah, that is a good thing. You And you also have more people involved. You get more casual people involved, which is great, but also leads to people that maybe aren't huge college basketball fans, yeah, uh, yeah getting acquainted and often chiming in with their thoughts, which is cool. Like, that's how you become a fan of a sport and a team. But, you know, it's not football. You know, one game doesn't swing a season as significantly as it does in football. It's just what comes with basketball. You know, the tourney team of two years ago, 
late January, guess what they did? They lost back-to-back games. And guess what? The world did not fall, and they got a six seed. So it happens. Uh, you need to rebound. It's uh, it's crazy to me. Like when you look at the pros versus college, like pros, they're pros, but yeah. they can lose a lot, and you just kind of go, yeah, throw it in the garbage and, and reset. For college, you only get like two of those that we're allowed to give you. You know, you could yeah. throw that in the garbage, reset. It's amazing how how different it is because what the win loss record really means in your conference. Yep, and what it means as far you know, it's a knockout tournament. Whereas in the pros, obviously, you go into the playoffs, and you know you can. In theory, the the cream rises to the top in a seven game series. How many times do we see you know, St. Peter's and Kentucky you know, a few years ago? If they play seven times, you know, I think we know who's winning that mm-hmm. best out of seven. Right, but right. they played once, and you know that's why there. I think there's so much angst around every game because you're trying to get your best seed, which obviously the St. Peter's example is not guarantee anything. But try and get the best seed to get the best matchup, to have the best chance to win a random one-off 40-minute battle. So you can play two days later and hope you can win another random matchup in a 40-minute battle, you know, in a game played by a bunch of, you know, teenagers and early 20-year-olds. So <laughs> it, it it feels dramatic because it's – college basketball is a sport of chaos. Well, and, and, and again, I, I take – I always take the three-point line first and foremost when I look at March Madness. I mean, if there are teams that maybe are okay throughout the year and they're just red hot – that's it. That was their night. Or it yeah. might not be their night. You look at CSU against Boise State, 4 of 16 from the three-point line. Yeah. If you have one of those nights in the tur- in the tournament, you're out. Yep. But if it's the reverse and you're hitting most of those, uh, yeah. then or a good chunk of those at least, you can beat a lot of teams that you're probably not supposed to beat. So it is about, obviously, the matchups, the right combinations, but you have to be on it too. Um, so, so much goes into it. it, it it's why... This this season, this type, this is the madness to me, actually, is the regular <laughs> season. Because you could be a great team, um, but you might get a, an interesting matchup that just doesn't bode well for you. And it might be an off night, too. So you could have this phenomenal year, and then that day, maybe yeah. it doesn't click. Yeah, absolutely. You see that often. You know, We've seen it for years that CSU just doesn't seem to match well with UNLV or play well in Vegas. Um is there rhyme or reason? In some ways, yes. I mean, the way you know UNLV's roster tends to be these big, long athletes, which does you know in the past few years has been kind of the you know sort of hurdle for CSU. But like, why do they not play well in Vegas? I don't think there's any real reason. Yeah, you know, um, it's just arena they don't shoot yeah, well in generally. It's weird, and it, <laughs> that weird stuff happens. I and mean, you see it all the time. You know, in Final Fours, you know, they're playing the big NFL stadiums that they always talk. Sight lines are really weird, and usually early in games, the shooting's really poor because you know your sight line is off, and, and players get you know kind of rattled by that. So there's so many of these just kind of wild factors that go into, it. and that's why I was saying earlier about the road games. Like, yeah, same court and everything, but. It is not the same. It's different. It's a. Uh, it's such a mental thing. I mean, I'm watching the Nuggets game the other night. Yeah. They're one in sixteen or one in fifteen in their last sixteen games in Utah. Yeah, it I, can't I, really be the altitude because we're out. We're right. We're it's, not that it's just far. Just a place you don't really play well. Just in. a mental thing that takes over, I suppose. All right. When we come back, we'll wrap up uh, another edition of Rams Weekly. Let's look. Take a look at some of the big matchups in the Mountain West Conference. The uh, the upcoming schedule. For Colorado State, they do get some time off here the next few days, so we'll see uh, if that really impacts them. Because keep in mind, you know, folks, they are 
they are still getting kind of healthy. Getting Josiah Strong back, um, getting him more into the feel of things is important. It's Rams Weekly presented by Miranda Simpson at State Farm Insurance. We'll be right back. It's Rams Weekly here on Northern Colorado's Voice 103.1 1310 KFKA. The Colorado State men's team doesn't play again until the 16th of January. That is a home game against Air Force, and we've already talked about that, Kevin. Um, it was important then. It's 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 important now. Got to win that one. Got to beat UNLV. I believe that's going to be on uh, FS1, too. So that'll be... Yep, back on the TV. Back on the television would be nice, huh? That's yep. Although, if you have a computer... You can, or a phone, you can watch it on your, yeah. the Mountain West Network. Yeah, least, I mean, I, I, I can turn them on via my TV, turn on the Mountain West app. Yeah, it's not ideal for the getting a broad audience. And I don't want to knock, I love uh, Roth and, and Nigon, what they do. But I got to tell you, when I'm watching the Mount West and it's a road game for CSU, it's kind of interesting to get the home the home team's perspective on CSU. It's kind of... It's, Sometimes it can be maddening, and sometimes it can actually it's be. Very, it's very interesting, yeah, yeah. in both good and bad ways. I mean, there's some. I'm not. I don't want to call out any crews because that you know they work hard, but there are some that you know don't love. Uh, not sure how much research they're doing, but there are others that are really good. And, and yeah, it can be really fascinating. Obviously, they're usually talking a lot to you know, the coach of the team they cover, so you know a lot of that insight is coming from you know kind of within the program. So it is fascinating to see you know kind of that you know opposite side view. And you know they all start with number four, which you know you don't have to be a basketball savant to do that. But right. it is pretty interesting. A lot of praise for Neat Clifford across the board, I would say, which again checks out. But but it is interesting sort of hearing what you know other you know programs think of CSU. It can be infuriating like we said at times, but it is it is interesting to see cuz that's clearly what their maybe their fan base yep. and their following are kind of feeling too about Colorado State. But And hey, uh, CSU, yeah, two road losses, not great. Court storms for both of them. Um that tells you something. It's not what you want, obviously, but people don't storm the court when they beat you if you're bad yeah Boise State you could tell like that was a monster win for them I mean they knew it and they they needed a marquee win you know they've played a tough schedule but not won many marquee games so to get back in the tournament mix they really needed one and obviously they got one speaking of needing one uh on the women's side of things they got a road win yep. against Fresno State that was huge yeah they really had to do that get back on you know, in the winning path, they had lost, what, three straight and four of the last five, I think it was. Yeah. So they really needed that one. And then host New Mexico this weekend, Saturday at 1 at Moby. Uh, the schedule kind of now sets up that maybe they can get a little run, which um, they need to do. You think McKenna is going to try to get back to scoring 30 points anytime soon? Because she had 25, <laughs> yeah. you know. And she, it's just she's kinda... incredible. I saw this stat um, today. Let me pull it up here real quick. But she is just wild. She's in conference play. Obviously, it's early, but still. 31 points per game, 47% on field goals, 8.7 assists, 6.3 rebounds. She's 5'2 per game. The number of players averaging 25 points, 5 rebounds, 5 assists, while shooting 45% or better in conference play, 2. McKenna Hoffshield and 
dun 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 dun, Caitlin Clark, none other Incredible. than the face of, of women's, women's college, college basketball. Yeah, absolutely right. Wow, she is. Uh, she's a phenomenal player, Kevin. Where does her career go after after CSU? I mean, obviously you mentioned it five five two, right? Yeah. Um, does that translate? I mean, is that WNBA? I don't. I honestly yeah, don't I know. Mean, yeah, I, I don't know a, a ton of depth. What I've kind of heard is that you know WNBA probably is a long shot. The size might be a you know a hurdle. Uh, but I've heard she's pretty interested in getting right into coaching pretty quickly. And obviously, you can tell by her brain on the court. You can see how that could translate to a brain off the court, if you will, as far as coaching. So, you know, I think we'll see. I don't think there's anything said or finalized there yet. But whether it's now or, you know, in the future, I think she'll be a coach. And kind of like we've talked about with Isaiah Stevens, we we keep having these parallels with them. I could see both those guards becoming great uh, coaches down the road. Two uh, Rams Greats that will be two of the best forever. ever. I, I mean, mean, yeah, the, the, when you, you know, the combined men's women's basketball programs. I would say those two, they might be your two of your top three. You know, if, or if you want to build a Mount Rush for Rushmore, they're two of your four with Becky Hammond, and then probably a pretty good debate for that number fours. Yeah, where's uh, yeah? Who like who's Ooh. that's a that's crazy. Like, yeah, there's some good ones. Yeah, maybe maybe another show. We'll, yeah, we'll do the the Mount Rushmore debate. I, I think we should absolutely do that. Who better? But, to but do I that? think. I think you have the three really easily. I mean, I don't know how you could not have Zay or McKenna. Obviously, Becky Hammond is yeah you know, number one. Yeah, no, I agree a hundred percent. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Kevin, where are we? It's January eleventh, or I guess January thirteenth, depending if you're listening to this Thursday or Saturday. On the football side of things, what what is on the schedule for Jay Norvell and company? Yeah, I want to say quiet time right now because the players are all, you know, you're in, as the semester gets back, you get into winter workout time, you know, a lot of lifting, all that type of stuff. So it's kind of behind the scenes. You're not going to see a ton about it. But they're doing winter workouts. You're still in transfer with the semester about to start. Um, you know, we saw a Navy cornerback commit to CSU. Uh, that's obviously a position that, that CSU needed. Uh, offensive lineman from Utah Tech, you know, who CSU saw face-to-face uh, Utah Tech this year. Um, I think we'll see a few others probably here pretty soon. Uh, but, yeah, kind of wrapping up the transfer portal season. And spring ball will come uh, mid to late March, you know, ideally right as basketball is heading into the NCAA tournament. Well, not not ideally for me, but yeah, but, uh, that's a two places at once type of time. But that timing is what I mean. It's a yeah, I totally get it. Uh, I totally get it, man. But it's it's going to be interesting to see what this football team yep. does, you know, in in the off season, really, mm-hmm. with some big things, some big questions to answer. Uh, taking that next step for Jay Norvell and company. Yep, definitely. It, uh, yeah, we've said it many times. Year three is a really important one. Yeah, no question about it. There will be a lot of of uh, of of folks paying attention to see what happens in that first year. It's not like the schedule is the easiest thing in the world either. Quinn Ewers coming back. So uh, a BFN Ewers showdown to start the season mm. in Austin, Texas. You know, Texas, you know, obviously everyone does way too early. Top 25s right, as the season ends. I think the lowest I've seen Texas is like four maybe, maybe not even that, like three. Uh, so Texas is, you know, a national title contender and CSU starts there. Uh, then they have a huge in-state showdown against UNC, and then they play another game against some in-state team. Oh well, yeah. I mean, we'll, we'll who see what their coach has said that, that they'll be in the playoff. 
Well, they're going to have to beat CSU to do that, right? That's going to have much. to. You can't lose I mean, you that could game. Go, you could go eleven one with this loss to CSU and make the playoff. Yeah, it's uh, it's crazy. But yeah, to be... I mean that CU game is going to be massive, and yeah, Deion Sanders has not been shy, and he is basically. Am I wrong? He's pretty much flat out said we're, oh, we're yeah. going to be in the no, playoff. Yeah, he's a hundred percent in on that. Like last year, it was kind of a we, we're going to be there someday. This yeah. this is like well, next this is year, kind of the big one. At. You know, I think we know this is going to be the last season for Shadur, probably the last season for Travis Hunter before he goes to the NFL. Obviously, they've brought in another twenty or thirty transfers. You know, a lot of them from big programs. So yeah, uh, they've kind of self-made a lot of pressure. Uh, they seem to want that, but it is going to be a lot of pressure, and they have a tough schedule. They play at Nebraska. They host North Dakota State, which is a terribly scary game because that's a lose-lose. If you if you beat them, it's cool. You'd be an FCS team, and you're you know Deion Sanders. If you win a close game, it's alarm bells, and God forbid you lose that one. Yeah, no, that's the the pressure we're talking about. And that's it's, North it's, Dakota uh, State. They're not going to be scared. No, not at all. I mean, they're going to be highly motivated. They are too. giant slayers. Yeah, no question about it. Um, like we said, the, the the Colorado State Rams on the basketball side of things, yeah, the men's good team. Good time for a bye. Yeah, good time for a bye. Just regroup. Two home games coming up next on the 16th and the 19th. Very important basketball games, but... This is a great time for them to just kind of sit, perhaps reflect on uh, yep. on the season. Regroup, so far. refresh. You know, Josiah Strong played the last couple games. Get him a lot of practice time. You know, get some of your systems. You know, I, I guess just cohesion back with Lake and Strong now fully back in the mix and be ready to go. And you know, the I think the ideal is that they come back and smoke Air Force Tuesday. Let's get that dub for Colorado State, both the men's and women's basketball teams. That's going to do it for us here on Rams Weekly. Shout out to Michael Kirkpatrick or Micah Kilpatrick for producing the show. As always, Kevin Lytle, Fort Collins, Colorado, and myself. Thank you again. And let's go Rams. It's been Rams Weekly on Northern Colorado's Voice, 103.1 at 1310 KFKA.